views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. Sounds a little weird, but uh, all right. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to Culture Insanity. This is season three, episode number two. Um, yeah, so welcome back. Uh, we got a few things on the dock today. Um, if I'm being honest, just right up front, it sort of feels like we're in a in a stuck in a loop of the madness of of culture. Um, some of these things might have been touched on in the past, but they've reared their reared their head again and they're here for us to just sort of talk about and discuss and discuss why they are or are not relevant to us as believers so uh yeah so welcome back um without further ado we can just get right into it i was just telling uh pastor monte here that i'm gonna i'm gonna give him first crack at at our first topic of the day um so he knows uh to, to respect the purpose of the show, to respect the hour time frame. So, um, yeah, let's get into it. So the first topic of the day has to do with the whole Jeopardy controversy. Are you aware of, of this, Pastor Monty? The Jeopardy controversy? You mean, uh, no, I'm not. Well, I might be aware. In the last, I think it was last week. You mean with people not knowing who Adam Shift is? No, not that. No, not that one? Okay, okay. so... Uh, yeah, I believe it was last week on Jeopardy. There was a, there was a two hundred dollar answer under the category of "Where's that church?" Um, and the category read, "Built in the three hundreds A.D., the Church of the Nativity." Um, and then you're supposed to say, "Where's that church?" Right? That's the the question. Um, and the contestant, her name was Katie Needle. She buzzed in first and replied, "What is Palestine?" She was deemed incorrect for answering that question, or that with that answer, whatever. Um, and then another person, another contestant, buzzed in and said, "Where? What is Israel?" And then that was deemed correct. Well, there was obviously a whole bunch of backlash over over I, that. I did hear something about this. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, the Church of Nativity is located in Bethlehem, and you know a bunch of countries, ours included, and European Union don't recognize Palestine as a state and whatnot. So um, there's a whole bunch of controversy over that, and so um, I wanted to open that up to you first, and and then and then Jeopardy itself had to come out and make a statement about why that should have never aired, how the question is flawed, or how it you know doesn't set itself up for success. Basically, just trying to please all parties. You know what I mean? Um, so it was this this whole thing kind of got away from them. Um, but the question I have for us is: just, Are there greater implications of something like this, of recognition of something like that, um, and what does it mean, or should it mean? for us as we keep just sort of a discerning eye on things. I know you're, you're the, the politics guy and you have your own podcast for that type of thing, but uh, it's reached culture because Jeopardy is a cultural phenomenon, so now it's reached our podcast. But why does something like this matter? Well, I think it matters because <coughs> of the tug and pull which has been going on with the uh, Palestinians and you said the, the uh, tug and pull, yeah, the okay. tug and pull, tug and pull that has been going on with the Palestinians and and the Israelis for well as thousands of years. I mean, essentially speaking, and, and see, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, issues with misrepresenting the facts. Um, so a lot of people who don't like Jews, for example, are angry with the Jews and say that they, they, uh, that that area, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, you know, the whole Israel area right now was taken from the Palestinians, uh, in 1948 and given to them by the United Nations. And after World War II. Yeah. After World War II, in response to the genocide carried out by the uh, by Hitler and and what have you, so um, so because of that, um, there's always been this tug and pull, and there's always been a misrepresentation of what actually happened historically. 
Um, and yes, Israel was allowed by the United Nations to come back to, they were allowed to come back to Jerusalem in that area. But what most people don't know is that before they came back, um, that whole region surrounding Jerusalem was uh, unproductive. And it was basically land that wasn't producing anything. And so when the um, when the the Hebrew people came back and started to migrate towards Jerusalem because this proclamation had been made, uh, they didn't come in and take the land from the Palestinians, but they bought it. Mm. So they came in, and there were vast land tracts that were for sale, and and the the Israelis bought all the land that they have. They started out with a very small sliver given to them, and then they progressed from there. And uh, the Palestinians were were uh, excited to sell them the land because, it, as far as they were concerned, it had been unproductive for hundreds of years. So now that the Israelis have turned things around and the land is now productive, you have all these people saying, well, you know, the Israelis took it from us, and it was given to them, and it's not theirs by right, and it's doing so well that we want it back. And, that, and that's, the, that's the popular line of the far left and those who hate uh, the Hebrew people, is that they stole the land, mm. and now they should give it back, and the Palestinians have a right. Not only that, but you also get the fact that the Palestinians then... Uh, with the backing of Hamas and various other militant groups, are constantly uh, trying to. Um, What's Hamas? I've never uh, heard of that. It's it's one of the the uh, terrorist groups of that region, oh. a Muslim terrorist group of that region, and they are constantly picking at Israel and uh, lobbing, uh, you know, lobbing missiles and. And uh, making it difficult for the uh, you know for the Hebrew people there to exist peacefully. So there's this thing where you know politically right now what they're what 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 people would like to see is that the Palestinians have uh, had a large voice in saying we want, and and what you've got is you've got basically um, all the people that were around in 1948 and kind of know what's going on. They've, they've kind of died off. Hmm. And you have all these people that have grown up believing that the land that Israel now occupies is theirs, and they want it back, and they've been cheated. And so you have this enmity that exists between the Jews and the, uh, and the descendants of Ishmael, and uh, the fight just goes on and on. If you would study history, if people would study history and and get uh, get together on understanding what actually occurred instead of the false narrative, which is constantly being produced, then uh, it would be a less a lot less tension. Mm. But these people believe, uh, even though they're you know, it's like don't bother me with the truth. My mind is made up. That's that's where they're. At. I I think the. The other thing that's like really interesting about that is that the uh, the historical narrative for getting land has always been conquering. Yeah, right, right. So, like, even if it is true, mm -hmm. like how how did America get its land? Yeah, how is that any different than any other? You know, country? how did how did the yeah how did the how does the, the Western Kingdom yeah colonialize yeah. half the world? Yeah, no, it's well, there it's is, real I mean, interesting. There's, there there is that region of, of Israel where they did take by force uh, right. the Golan Heights. What the set uh, during the Seven Day, Seven -day War, War? Yeah, where they just kicked ass of the you know the the people surrounding them. But the, you know they they took it, and then now people are angry because they took it. Mm. It's also well, interesting yeah. because <laughs> Islam, by its like very nature, is you know conquest. Yes, <laughs> you know, right? And, yes, and, and crush all people who oppose it. Yes, and so it's like, well, 
It's the taste of your own medicine if it's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. I just don't get it. The precedent is there across the, yeah, across the board. So it's really weird how they pick and choose. And I have to think that there's a bit of anti-Semitism to it, if I'm being honest. Oh, there is. Yeah, there's no question there is. Even here in the U.S., there, we, I mean, we now have people in the, uh, in the House side in Congress who actually have uh, put, poor, uh, put forth anti-Semitic bills uh, in order to condemn Israel's existence. Yeah. So then going back to Jeopardy itself as a program, institution, this is just a case of them being scared yeah <laughs> yeah to, i think so wanting to please all parties. i think so you can't please everybody and yeah. and you know but they don't they're they're depend i mean as a program they're there to make money and if yeah. you more anger, viewers yeah you anger your viewers your that's exactly correct yeah i guess the in the recording of that episode they actually like took it out because it was quote unquote problematic the wording and so it was it was replaced with a different clue like within that game right. but then the original whatever ended up airing and so it was like this whole somebody probably got fired over at Jeopardy is all I can say but uh, yeah anyways all right and I'm on. and I'm kind of surprised because you know Alex Trebek could have just stood his ground and said hey leave it alone yeah well you could get fired I'm dying. Leave it alone. Okay. <laughs> okay. He, he does have a history of being quite salty. Alex well, he's... Trebek. It's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, his, his cancer's getting worse. There's some good YouTube mashups of Alex Trebek being spicy, a spicy host. Mm -hmm. um, all right, moving on. So the hashtag OscarsSoWhite is back again for its fifth year in a row. I think it started about five years ago, this, this campaign of... Um, exclusion within a Hollywood film industry. Um, I don't think you were around last time we talked about it. No, I don't think so. I think we talked about it last year. but I don't I don't uh, give Hollywood much credit for anything. So I know you don't. Do you know what it's about? Uh, the whole Oscar so white activism, if you want to call it that? They pick and choose what it is they want to be against, right? And then they want people to boycott the actors, boycott, or the mm -hmm. actors and actresses boycott particular types of, is that what is that? Well, it has one? to do with nominees being dominated by white peoples within that industry, or specifically white, yeah, white males. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the, and the, the uh, Afro-American Afro uh, communities up in arms because not enough black folks Well, it's not are... just their community and their defense, but, yeah, they're a huge voice in it, but... I, I don't know. I don't hear the Chinese saying anything. I don't hear the Filipinos saying anything. Well, well what's that, that movie that came out, Parasite, I think it's South Korean. They're saying something now because it was, like a, it was a big movie. Have you seen that movie, Josh? No, I, I, I really wasn't sure what it was about. It's sort of get outy, like Jordan Peele. It's like comedic, but also really eerie. That's like hmm. the, the vibe. Did you watch it? No, I've seen I've seen the trailer for it, and I've like watched people talk about it and stuff. But it's, I mean, I know it was available um, on Regal Unlimited. It is. Yeah, it is right now. Yeah. yeah. And the one film that they've produced of any note was not represented. Is that what happened? The South Koreans? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. You mean in American culture? In America, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, isn't that who produces the Emmys or Grammys or whatever? Oh, they you are? said of any note, and it's just I'm not. I'm just saying. They do have a category for foreign film, but anyways, so it's a it's a thing. It's a whole like social activism thing for for that industry, and you know, trying to get equal representation and stuff. But um, yeah, and I think we talked about it. It was last year. It's been around for a while. This trending hashtag every every february when the academy awards mm -hmm. you know air or whatever but um i guess just what's will, will this ever go away <laughs> like what's no. what's a realistic expectation in 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 regards to people fighting that cause and is that even like a is it a flawed argument to begin with well the 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 whole industry is uh, the whole industry is about you know is about themselves. So actors, actresses, they're all about who they are. And so to tell them to get over themselves, it's like they can't do that. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because, like, 
it still happens even when there is like and I don't know, like, are they looking for specific ratios? Like, they want a straight 50-50 or whatever it is. You know, you got whites, blacks, Asians. Like, what are they looking for? I don't know what their actual expectation is. But when there is a worthy performance, you know, whether acting or whatever within the, the, in the process of filmmaking, directing or producing or writing, that is nominated. And so it's, it's this weird thing. Like, like, two years ago, or maybe it was last year, Moonlight. Right. It was two years ago. Like, that was a big, that movie won Best Picture because it was like a worthy candidate. So it's just a weird thing where there seems to be no pleasing people within that agenda. And so, what are we like, where does that leave the culture to, 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 dissect or understand like what what's reasonable what are people actually expecting a complete pendulum swing now they want a f- fully ethnic oscars or something like i don't know it just seems to be no pleasing that sort of activism i think people want a sense of complete representation but i mean that's not that's not what movies are and that's that's what i have an issue with like when you take when you take a piece of art, what you're doing is you're creating a finite uh, representation of a finite moment in time, right? So it's not <clears> – you're not providing like this infinite representation of an infinite story. You're not, you mm-hmm. know, Stephen Strange or, yeah. or, you know, the specter having like a view of all of reality and understanding every single moment. No, you're, you're locking something that's a finite experience – into a finite moment in time to tell a finite story. So the idea of complete representation in a finite story doesn't make sense. Mm. And I just think that that's, that's what's missing is people are getting rid of the, they're, they're slowly but surely losing the art of storytelling, both in their uh, celebration and in their artistry so that not so that they can tell stories, but so they can they can pander to an audience, mm. and, and that's what it comes down to. Well, yeah, not only that, but you know, I mean, different people have different tastes. I mean, I agree with you hundred percent, Josh. But aside from that, the human factor is is different people like different things. So some people might think that the film is wonderful, and others might think it sucks. And that's part of you know that's part of what you're having to deal with. But I think this nonsense of trying to manufacture, you know, it's like the whole thing where everybody has to win a trophy. Ah. Yeah. Not a big fan of that as a sports person. Everybody everybody has to win a trophy. Everybody did good. Participation points. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, there's one, there's one article I was reading in regards to the Oscar so white thing rearing its head again whereas talking about so the one black actress that is nominated this year is nominated for harriet the movie about harriet tubman she was great yeah i didn't see the movie but they're still pissed off because of course the one actress or actor that's nominated it's a it's a movie about slavery of course and it's like yeah. Like, what do you want from me? I mean, it's a historical piece. I will say that I'm disappointed that J-Lo wasn't nominated. Oh, for Hustlers? She was great in Hustlers. She and, was. I mean, I don't know. She wasn't bad. But, I mean, there's also, like, a, you're trying to fit a year's worth of movies into a limited number of things. And so you look at the contestants and, I don't know, It's everyone has their own tastes and preferences so well you look at the per- you look at the performance and you look at the believability of a character and i think i think j-lo is underrated as an actress i don't think she's i think she's overrated as a as a singer but but uh <laughs> but as an actress i think she's underrated yeah <clears throat> yeah it's a it's interesting so is this something that as believers we should even be like does it have any sort of relevance for us? Involved in? Like, should we be getting riled up over this kind of thing? No. 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 I agree. No. I, again, I, I think... So I think that there's this pull, especially in this culture, like American culture, there's this pull to have this idea of complete representation. And the truth is, as believers, like, our representation isn't 
white. It's not black. It's not, you know, it's not geek. You know, it's not. Um, so it's not our fandom. It's not our blood. It's not our heritage. It's not where we live. Any of those things. Those things are all secondary to us. You know, it's 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 our relationship with Christ. Right. Jew, Gentile, male, female. and and how we and how, and how we interact with the body of Christ. Lucy Brown said, "Spot on on J Lo." Whoa, <laughs> Lucy Brown! Did you watch Hustlers? <laughs> I find it—I find it hard to believe that you watch Hustlers. Was, maybe she just agrees that she's a better actress. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Could be. There's more J Lo than I bargained for. When I was <laughs> I'll say that. It was—it uh, was impressive for a 50-year-old lady. All right, so wow. can, can, we're gonna move on. Continuing on the the whole art the whole art topic. So James Bond um, has come up because yes. the movie's coming out again, right? No Time to Die. Mm-hmm. Comes out real soon, I think. Three months. <clears throat> oh, their, their campaign for advertising it is heavy. You see a trailer like every movie you go see. but so I'm, a, I'm a non-closeted James Bond fan. All right, so then you're the authority for this next topic. Probably. Um, there's, a, there's a big question and push from... Whoever <laughs> that James Bond, the next James Bond, because I think this is Daniel Craig. Should be a woman. Last film, right? Yeah. Yeah, that should be a woman. Why yeah. should or shouldn't this happen? And we've talked about this before with Superman, for example. Right. Yeah. So right. it's re- like I said at the beginning of the episode, like all these things just keep on circle and circling and circling the same things every year with a di- on a different whatever, same issue, different person or topic or whatever, but same issue at its core. Um, but my question um, is, yeah, why should or shouldn't this happen? Is the fabric of this character gender specific? I think Absolutely. anyone that's ever seen James Bond would say yes. Unless you want to say, unless you want to say that misogyny isn't specific to males, which I think is problematic if you're going to claim misogyny. <laughs> like people, people have an issue with the 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 man, like mansplaining. And they have an mm. issue with like male dominance and they have an issue with white male privilege and like all of these different things about males. James Bond absolutely embodies like a large amount of that. I mean, mm. he was he was the man in the nineteen sixties and seventies and eighties and nineties and two thousand anyway. Um and so unless you want to claim that that's not associated with malehood and say that it is something that is pansexual in nature, uh, pan trans, not uh, not transhuman, not transgendered, uh, non non-binary mm. in nature. Right. Um, I think I think that I think you're going to run into all sorts of issues. Then I'm I'm a little bit surprised with uh, with the uh, the current culture being so upset about. You know the sexual identity and and uh, male dominance and all those and and uh, all the the stuff related to to that that uh, everybody pretty much leaves the Bond films alone, and you go back back and look at some of those films. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like you know even well I mean the the uh, you know the names of the characters and. And, maybe uh, it just hasn't reached Bond yet. Well, on a on a mass level, like uh, maybe it was season one. We talked about like a John Wayne. Maybe if you remember, Josh, like John Wayne films, like came under heat because of the way he acted, and it was like yeah, yeah. I I I, I do not foresee. I, I read an article on this, and they were talking about they don't having Bond be a different, uh, you know, so uh, ethnic origin. Um, they were more open to. Yeah, I don't have so much I, problem with that. Yeah, than the idea of like a, a black a bond. female. That's a big thing. Yeah, black yeah. or Chinese or you know whatever. I don't think the Chinese would make sense unless it was like Amer. Well, uh, unless it was again a British Chinese. Well, like, don't for- you know. yeah, don't forget the 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 British were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but that's that's what I'm saying. I think you could have different ethnic background, but not different cultural background. Uh, yeah. That's so br- being British is intrinsic to, <clears throat> to who James Bond is, also. Yeah, well, oh, on def- Her Majesty's yeah. Secret yeah, Service, yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, you know, yes. Yeah, so I, but, but from a global perspective, remember that you know, 
Great Britain dominated many regions, and Chinese were amongst them for for years. A large portion of James Bond has to do with his swagger. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. It has to do with a very British way of looking at things. He's 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 proper, but he's cheeky. Yeah. You, well, know? you know, and there's there's a huge there's a huge amount of things that wouldn't make sense if he was to come from any culture, including America. Um, he he. Yeah. So, but but I don't think that that is. I, I don't think that. I don't think that that's a non-binary attitude. I think that it is a very specific. His his swagger is very specifically male. It's driven by testosterone, and I don't think that it that he is transmutable that way. It's not like the doctor, for instance, in Doctor Who where the character alters and changes personality that's built into the character. So it's not a big deal if the character becomes a woman because the character changes personality. Or the or the changing of the character in Sherlock Holmes. Which um, one? Well, um, Watson. Oh, you're talking about in the elementary. By elementary. In C- CBS's elementary. Right, elementary. Where not, where Lucy they, Liu, yeah. Where they not only changed uh, Watson, Lucy Liu portrayed that, but, but Moriarty. But Moriarty was Spoilers, also female. Yeah. The show's over, though. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, That's a good show, by the way. Yeah, so here's a... Yeah, it was I, good. I have something in my throat. <clears throat> a question, then. Are, I'll ask it, and I'll ask it a different way, and... As artist, as an artist, sure. I don't know if you fancy yourself an artist too. Oh, very much so. <laughs> Jack of all trades, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Music, are, the theater. I mean, yeah. are our own creations subject to the public sort of disfiguring them um, into what they want? In other words, when we publish something, should we expect and be okay or have a certain submissiveness or loss of control over our work when we put something out there? Or like, so like, what would Ian Fleming have to say about this? And would he? Well, I guess it would be how much pressure he caved under in terms of societal demands. But, like, should we expect that as as an artist? I'm not one. But when we publish something that now the culture will take it and make it what they want to fit the time, to fit the agenda, to fit the whatever. Um, and will this – do you think that this has any sort of, like, long-term effects? Like, will this stifle creativity because people will be too afraid to, like, create what they want to create? <clears throat> Um, I, I would say, as an artist, I would say that you have to be aware that your work doesn't belong to you in the sense that it did when you put it down on paper. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, when you publish it, like when you give it to the mm-hmm. public. Well, even when you put it down on paper, you know? Like an idea is floating around in your head, and then once you start drawing it or once you start writing it, it starts locking itself in. I've mm-hmm. talked about, about this before with J.K. Rowling. It's mm-hmm. like yeah. she writes the first Harry Potter, and then after that, the first Harry Potter has to inform the second one. Yeah. These things aren't disconnected from each other. So you're, you're sort of giving of yourself once you let it go. And there's something that's um, – once you put it on paper or put it out there in any way, shape, or form – you're giving of yourself, and that's a little bit scary. Um, that being said, I think that we represent, or we we understand the concept of intellectual property, yeah. and so, or IP, as we like to call it. And so, when it comes to IP, we want we want to protect that vehemently. Um, I don't. I I think that anybody who takes the risk of making art needs to understand that their IP is likely to be infringed upon. It's really America. It's really America and this day and age um, that has an issue with that. Um, Well, yeah, it's really America that has an an issue with that. And I could go further into it, but if if I was to put a pinpoint on it, I would honestly say that the reason why America has an issue with that is because America is predominantly a Christian culture. Mm. And... So you go back and you look at like ancient civilizations and what you see is the constant picking, the syncretic um, picking of whatever, whatever makes sense to them. So they'll pick and choose and they'll, they'll come from different cultures. And that's why you have different names, especially, especially in the, the Greco-Roman mm-hmm. cultures, right? And you have different names for, for the same things and ideas across different 
borders and so on and so forth. You got to understand that there weren't a lot of people back then. Yes, they worshipped uh, those gods, but there there weren't a lot of people who who had like a a tangible sense that this was a real god. It was more of a cultural um, aspect and and what yeah. they did. And so these are like more like pop culture icons to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they would pick and choose from all of these different things. Christianity comes around and it says, you are not allowed to mess with our God. You're not allowed to mess with the narrative. You're not allowed to mess with how you worship, all of these things. And these things are dictated from a, from a single source and so on and so forth. So you take that. In, and you build a culture around that idea of intellectual property. I'd say God is the first person with a copyright, <laughs> and you you nice. take you take you take that and you build around that concept of intellectual property. And as time goes on, you know it's the culture has this idea of identity specifically because in Christianity, people are not only made in the image of God, but they're significant. And that means their works are significant and they should be taken that way. Mm. It's not to be said. Yeah. So, but this concept of copying has always been, and especially with, with artistry, like people weren't even allowed to, even in a post-Christian world, people weren't even allowed to start making their own artwork until they were good at copying. You take the other. You take the other side of it because they had to study underneath right. a, a master right. artist. Um, right. And you take the other side of it, and you look at. <coughs> excuse me. You look at um, pop culture as it is today, which is really derived from from who? Who's the main pop culture source? Disney, right? <laughs> Disney's the main pop culture source. Go back and you look at what Disney has done. There's just next to nothing that's actually original in mm. Disney. Even like the things that, even, even the things that, that um, the original works that Disney did, oftentimes were taking from other things and inserting his own characters into it, like Mickey Mouse, you know? Mm-hmm. He'd make his own version. Mickey Mouse, he's not even original, like he's based on Mortimer. And then you have like the fact that Mickey Mouse is anthropological. Wait, anthrop- anthropomorphic, right? Right. Yeah. It's not a mouse, you know? It's a human that looks like a mouse. So in any case, but you take all these stories, like the Little Mermaid, that is not how the Little Mermaid went. Snow White, that's not how Snow White went. Mm -hmm. Peter Pan, that's not how Peter Pan went. You know, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you go back and look at the German fairy tales. Yeah. These fairy tales (laughs) that came out of Europe and Disney got a hold of them. The castle and turned them all around. That's German. (laughs) Right. And I I I don't have a problem with that per se. Um, you just got to understand it's built into, it's built into culture outside of Christianity. It's built into culture that we uh, we pick and choose and pull from from various things. Then you have the American culture and Disney. He comes in largely non-Christian in the way that he looks at things, and you know he's he's taking a syncretic approach to things. And as culture has begun to be very post-Christian in America, Mm -hmm. what you see is, you know, more of that. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be more celebration of that. So, I don't know if you, I I guess, and it's funny too, because Disney is very IP protective. Yeah, it's ironic. But (laughs) if you want, yeah, most of the copyright laws are because of Disney. But um, (laughs) if you want to, if you're so concerned about protecting your intellectual property, then you have to be concerned about it. Yeah, which means like you, you got to be active. You got to be active. And not give it to whoever. Right? And and I would say the best way to be concerned <clears throat> about it, the best way to be active is in making content that provides context. Well, and the other thing that you need to have if you're going to if you're going to decide that you want to protect that as people try to manipulate and change your initial product to fit a narrative that the culture is pushing is you need to have deep pockets. Because when, yeah. when you file a lawsuit to protect your uh, what you produced, that's expensive, and a lot of uh, a lot of Disney has deep pockets. Yeah, but a lot of uh, a lot of people that that producing they don't. Yeah. Well, we're and a, and a deep passion for what you created. Yes. Yeah. This this reminds me. So I know you watch it. I don't know if you've seen it or our listeners. There's a show on Netflix called The Toys That Made Us. There's another one called The Movies That Made Us. But mm-hmm. there's one episode on there 
uh, for the latest season um, on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the okay. toys that made yeah. us. And this whole thing what we're talking about is actually what split um, Eastman and, and Laird. Um, the guys who made the Teenage Mutant Ninja the Turtles. Guys that, yeah, the comic. Made the turtles because, long story short, one of them wanted to introduce a female or turn one of them into a female. I can't remember which one. Um, and the other one was like, well, no, like what we created was four teenage boys. Like that was what we created. We're not going to change it now because it would be better for, you know, selling to a larger audience because, right. you know, the toys thing got right. away from them and really ended up shaping um, the comic, like the JK Rowling thing you're talking about. Yeah. So it's, right, it's really right. interesting in that way. Um, you should check it out if you haven't seen it. You were saying something. Sorry, sort of cut you off. What was I saying? I don't know. I don't remember. I I just think I I think you you have to be, you got to be bigger in your thought process if you're. I don't I don't. Yeah, you got to be bigger in your thought process for the things that matter, and that's what it comes down to. I'm really liking what DC has been doing, DC Comics uh, as opposed to Marvel. Um, I'm really liking what DC has been doing with their whole multiverse, their crisis on infinite earths, all of that stuff, because what they've been doing is giving acceptance to multiple versions of their characters. Um, and I think that that's what it comes down to. I remember what I was going to say. Um, we're going to start seeing some interesting things coming up here because the copyright laws are, um, uh, ending the copyright yeah, no, laws are ending. Yeah, on many things they are for like Mickey Mouse and Superman and things like that, right? Oh, like there's a shelf life on copyright. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Disney's yeah. responsible for that. pushing that shelf life back, right? Oh. So a lot of what Disney has been doing has been celebrating their old content on their new channels. So yeah. they have like a new version of Mickey Mouse that emulates the old. Mm. Well, part of the reason why that is is because. They own. They only own that version up to a certain point. So, so wh- where Disney straight up owns Mickey um, with regular skin color, and he's got like the red, the red and yellow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in a couple of years, Disney won't own the version of Mickey, the so Steamboat Willie style. So, what are they doing to try to keep that? So they're creating new content they create where they've updated. Content. Yeah, 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 new content where they update the character and then copyright that. Yes, just yeah, keep it going. Yes, that's what they. Do. So, and the same thing's going to be true with mm-hmm. Batman and Superman. I mean, but if you go back and you look at Batman, actually, you can't. You can kind of see him on the camera. If you look up above uh, the culture and sanity sign here, there's a Batman up here, and you can't really tell, but he has purple gloves. Um, that's mm-hmm. what. That's the original Batman, and pretty soon he'll be out of copyright too. Which means any company could come along and make their own version of Batman. Right. So how do you? How what do about you, things like names? Yeah, as long as they're from that. As long as they're from that era, yeah. Oh, you can use Bruce Wayne. You can use mm-hmm. you know spoiler guys. Bruce Wayne is Batman. That just seems like a losing battle. Oh well, there, yeah. She put him on camera. Thank it, you, producer Jasmine. On on all, uh, and and we see this happening all around us. If you. If you listen to a lot of the commercials nowadays, a lot of the commercials are using variations of popular songs coming out of the fifties that are no longer that are no longer under copyright because because of that. So when you hear a tune and you go, "Oh, that's not the same as sampling a song, right?" Because no, that has no, no, no. This is no. They're it's just they're they're going in and changing the lyrics or doing whatever. Yeah, and I don't know what the but, I don't know what the shelf life is for music, but but the same know. issue is there as what you're describing. Yeah. yeah. So I I I think if you're concerned about it, you have to provide lots of context. Yeah. Content that produces context creates authenticity. Authenticity is how you preserve your what it is that you, you want to do. And I think we have – I don't think that that's going to happen, if I'm being honest. I don't think people are going to do that. I think they're going to go more the way of DC mm-hmm. where they're going to accept a multiverse and they're going to try to make their brand – the 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 better one by being better on social media and you know creating mind share and so on and so forth. I think that's what's going to happen because we're a post Christian culture, and it's really only in Christianity where we have such justified uh, a sense of significance. Yeah. You know where this this thing is connected to our very being, yeah. and it's reasonable to think so. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. 
Right. Well, the other the other thing is is part of the reason that you have the 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 uh, a statute on the on uh, the copyright laws is is because the as as the original owners uh, die off, then um, who's going to who you you as a, as a uh, as uh, somebody that has the heritage of one of those, so a a, a son or a grandfather, or sure, whatever, they they have to have the passion to go in yeah. and to want to protect that. Just Look like, at what happened with Hercule uh, mm -hmm. uh, Poirot uh, and and the uh, and what's going on with that over in in England, where they they killed him off. Yeah, I know nothing about that. Yeah, they killed. They killed. But that's off, uh, well. I mean, I know who Hercule Poirot is. They get the Christie. They, they killed off the character, and then interesting on uh, on uh, Prime Amazon Prime. There's the production of a new Hercule Poirot. Yeah, I know um, you're trying to move on here. Um, I just want to throw something out there, though. That, um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was so bothered with his version of Sherlock Holmes oh, yeah. that he killed him off because people thought that he was real. People thought that he was more yes. like they, they were more interested in Sherlock Holmes than they were in, in Conan Doyle. Mm. Right. And so then he killed him off because he felt like Sherlock Holmes belonged to the public and he wanted to make it clear. No, he belongs to me. I love that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. yeah. But then he had to bring him back because he was too popular. Yeah. <laughs> he caved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get our contestants on the on the line here for a trivia. So Josh, if you want to bring us into our um, our game time, let's let's party on. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> What's up, guys? I can hear you. Can you hear? All right, so we are playing a, a, a Jeopardy trivia game today. I have seven questions for you. If you've been listening to the podcast, but first of all, who, who do we have here? Who's on, who's on the line? My name is Colin Sackowitz. <laughs> and, and who else? Jacob Browning. <laughs> okay, welcome, guys. So I don't know if you've been listening to the show, but at the top of the hour, we started off with controversial Jeopardy situation going on. Um, uh, so that's basically the theme of our, of our trivia today is we're going we're gonna to dive back into controversial Jeopardy questions slash answers of the past. Um, and so I have a list here of answers and because, you know, Jeopardy answer then question. That's how the format works. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to fault you if you don't answer with a what is. But so... This is this is sort of a fun one because it's controversial because there's an actual answer and then there's the answer that the original contestant gave when they were competing on the show however many years or months ago. So I expect from you guys the actual answer, not the not the joke answer. Are we clear? Okay. All right. By the fourth century A.D., Rome had 28 public ones stacked with rolls of papyrus. Oh, good one. Good one, Colin. Yep, that's correct. It's funny because the original contestant said, what is a toilet? Yeah. yeah and that was not the answer. Possible. <laughs> yes. So one nothing to Colin. Next question or answer. Sorry. This term for a long-handled gardening tool can also mean an immoral pleasure seeker. That is incorrect, actually. <laughs> this term, and Jacob, you're out. If you watch Jeopardy, you don't get a second stab. This term for a long-handled gardening tool can also mean an immoral pleasure seeker. It is correct, a rake. 
a rake is an old term used for a man involved in uh, immoral things, gambling, sexuality, so on and so Gretchen, forth. That is an actual term. Stop trying term. to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> nice, Josh. All right, good, good job. Good guess, Jacob. And for the record, the original contestant said the same thing. What is a hoe? Um, the next question, or answer, sorry. The flower pictured here, it's not pictured, sorry, guys, I'll describe it. A pink, heart-shaped, drooping flower is called this, also a disparaging term for people on the political left. Pink, heart-shaped, and drooping. Incorrect. Yes. I think of the term like soft as a daisy. No. What is a daisy? Incorrect. The correct answer is what is a bleeding heart? The original contestant answered what is a pansy? <laughs> Next question. This song from a 1999 animated film about censorship had a word censored from its Oscar performance. Jacob, three. Can you repeat two. the question? Quickly, this song from a 1999 animated film about censorship had a word censored from its Oscar performance. Oh, weird. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, Wait, like cutting you off. It is Blame Canada from South Park. The original contestant said, "What is the love ballad of Turd Ferguson?" Please, no! 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 Which they stole from no! a very popular SNL sketch for those SNL fans out there. Next question. Colin's winning two to nothing. If Andy yearns for Brenda and Brenda cares about Charlene, who pines for Andy, the three of them form one of these. Correct. A love triangle. The original contestant said, what is a threesome? <laughs> Yes, wildly inappropriate. Two left to go. The category of this question I'll just give you is starts with a body part. So to give you a hint. The fur of this rodent is said to be 30 times softer than, a human, ha than human hair. Starts with a body The original contestant said, what is a titmouse, which is incorrect. I'm going to give you three more seconds, guys. What is a chinchilla? <laughs> and lastly, astronomer who began his epitaph, I used to measure the heavens, now I shall measure the shadows of the earth. What? <laughs> no, incorrect. <laughs> no, incorrect. The correct <laughs> question is who is Johannes Kepler? The original contestant uh, said oh, yeah. because the yeah, original contestant because they were so ahead in the game bet zero dollars. This was a Final Jeopardy question and said who it. <laughs> Who is the spiciest meme lord? <laughs> so that would mean Colin wins with two answers out of seven and Jacob. We don't believe in participation medals, Jacob, if you've been listening, but we do appreciate your participation nonetheless. All right, guys, thank you for calling in. <clears throat> Please forgive us if you were offended by any of those questions. We did not make them up. I personally thought that Titmouse made a lot of sense. <laughs> you were quite tickled by it, I could tell. I can't. 
What? what? See, I, it was a titillating response. Very nice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Robert Downey Jr. was on the Joe Rogan podcast um, last week, early last week. Promoting his film, yeah. Promoting um, Doolittle. Doolittle, yeah, Doolittle, correct. Yeah. Um, a film about vagrancy. <laughs> yeah. So he was on there, and, and Rogan was asking him about Tropic Thunder. For those of you that have seen Tropic Thunder, Robert Downey Jr. did blackface in that movie. Um, uh, and so he was asking him about it. What's like, the famous line? Uh, uh, I'm just a I'm, I'm just a white or yeah. I'm the dude playing the dude disguised as another dude. He, he says I, that. I'm a I'm just the white dude playing the black dude playing the white dude disguised as I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's something. It's absurd. And that's yeah. why it's funny for the record. Um, but anyway, so Joe Rogan was asking him about it and like. What's up with that? Do you think that you could make that today? Like, how was that for you? Like, because obviously it's like a controversial thing. I don't know why. Personally, it is because the whole point of that movie was to point out the absurdity of that. Sure, um, it's satirical. Yes, incredibly. But I'm gonna I'm gonna read back some of the some of the things that Downey Jr. said to Rogan in response to this portrayal and like how it how it um, works today or doesn't work today. So he says, it was impossible for it to not be an, offen- an offensive nightmare of a movie. I know where my heart was. It's never an excuse to do something that's out of place and out of its time. It's an interesting and necessary meditation on where is the pendulum? Why is the pendulum right? Where is the pendulum cutting into what could be perceived as heart in the right place openness, quote unquote. There's a morality clause on this planet, and it's a big price to play to pay. And I think that having a moral psychology is job one. Sometimes you have to say, "Yeah, I effed up." But remember, he says, and this is what I said: "Tropic Thunder is about how wrong that the characters is about how wrong that is." So I take exception. So I guess initial thoughts. My question is, though, what are our thoughts on what he has to say in regards to the need for a moral psychology and assessing the pendulum? And do we as believers have a responsibility with that pendulum? Do we need to assess it? Do we need to abide by it? Um, What is our responsibility? What do you guys think? Um, If I understand what he means by moral psychology, I would say, yeah. I I think that we should have a psychology that's based on geared to war and geared toward and leans into morality. Um, if that is what he means, that's all he said. Yeah. That's literally all he said about it. I took the exact quote and didn't leave anything out. He moved, they moved on to uh, other stuff after that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I, I, he didn't give a whole discourse on, I think that based, psychology. I think that based on what he was saying, it, I think that based on what he was saying, he he was trying to say, could be wrong, RDJ, feel free to reach out. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think he was trying to say that if you look at the intent behind what people are doing, um, you should let that intent color the outcome. No pun intended. Right. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I think that... I, I don't think intent is everything. Mm. Um, I do think that there are outcomes which which are offensive regardless um, and should be avoided. So I, I don't think that, that the ends always justify the means. Avoided or recognized and, you know, contrition shown? Like- oh, my, I mean, I think there are some things that should be avoided. Mm. You know? Um... I mean, we could, we could go into the real dark places here <laughs> in certain behaviors that should be avoided. Um, I don't know that it's necessary to do that. Um, but I, I, I think that there are some things which, which should be avoided, but there are certain things which human behavior in specific where we need to take it with the grain of salt. And I think comedy is one of those things. And we need to recognize that. And it's always been something that we at least in American society, we've always recognized that about comedy specifically, right? Satire is protected. It's a protected thing. As, it's protected as free speech. It's seen as something that we as uh, human beings have as part of our rights. Um, and so they want to protect that. Um, and that's what this is. That Americans have. The Americans, yeah. But, but, but the Constitution is saying that 
and again, what is the Constitution? But the Constitution is saying that they believe it to be inalienable and specifically, you know, universal in nature. Mm. Um, and I would, I would agree with that. Like comedy is a very specific thing. We see satire all throughout the Bible. Jesus is wicked funny, ironically. Um, <clears throat> so it's just, a, you know, you, you have to, you have to understand why somebody is saying something. If what the, maybe the, maybe something was in poor taste and so that can be addressed. I think that this f falls in the area of, of funny, um, especially when you consider that God in particular likes to make fun of the wisdom of man specifically by using the opposite in order to prove his point. You see it a lot in scripture that he, he'll take the opposite or something to prove his point about, you, you know, he'll make a, you know, um, He'll make a king into a pauper, or he'll make you know the youngest into the oldest, or he'll make you know like I mean you see this like kind of all throughout scripture. That's how that's how God does something, mm -hmm. um, and that's I think people would be kind of philosophically small if they didn't understand that there was a bit of humor involved in that. I think it even says in Proverbs that uh, wisdom laughs at that sort of thing. So. I, I think there are three things here that I um, that I look at when I'm when we're discussing this, uh, particularly in regard to Robert Downey Jr. and uh, the first thing is is that his his response to his interviewer is a uh, is a throwdown in regard to the um, in regard to the direction of the question to begin with. Because the question really is 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 being given to an actor uh, who makes his living portraying other people, and many actors do not come across as very intellectual. And his response is an intellectual response uh, to issues which are being thrown out there by people that are not intellectual at all the response of these people who get excited about blackface and other types of things which are happening in the culture and accuse people of things which are inappropriate, um, they're often trying to just get a response to an issue that um, that may or may not be there. Um, it was appropriate 30 years ago in certain uh, theatrical situations. It's not appropriate now, you know. Um, you should have had the foresight as an individual 30 years ago to think about what it would look like, you know, 50 years later or whatever. And, he's just, and basically he's slowing down and saying, you know, that's a, that's a stupid question to begin with. But if you want an intellectual response... I mean, I, I think if you watch the interview, that's not, that's not the, what you would read into This that. is my take on it. Okay. Well, uh, this is my take on it. Perhaps you should watch the, the clip at least. Well, because... So, I'm aware of what you're talking about because I've, I saw that it was an issue that people were having. My the, my second point is is that um, Robert Downey Jr. is an intellectual. Oh, and his response that he gave um, takes it up a notch as to whether the people that 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 have those views to begin with are capable of understanding the argument that he's making. That that's out there, and I would say that you know he's basically saying, "Okay, you want a response to this? I'll give you a response," and he carries an intellectual response which would give the uh, the uh, somebody some pause to think that, "Wow, this guy's really thought this through about the uh, sociological implications which are present in regard to these issues which are now people are being faced with." So, caduce to that. Uh, on that, I, that surprised you, Josh, that I would I would recognize that. And then the third him as an yeah, because you and then you the generally thing, don't recognize actors as being smart. It depends on how they conduct themselves. There are some actors who who make it very clear that they're not very intellectually savvy. Well, he certainly like De Niro, for example. Okay, um, but but um, okay, but but the but the third thing is then what you indicated, Josh is that it's interesting that in our current cultural atmosphere, comedy is given a pass. 
on a lot of things. Not so much anymore. Well, yeah, and when you listen to comedians discuss this, um, they're, again, they're trying to walk a fine line as to what's acceptable and what's not. Right. But they still push the edge. And there are some comedians that are respected enough that they can get away with things. Others are having a little bit of difficulty. But the, the idea that comedy has been given a pass on some of these areas is very much still in play, I believe. Yeah, I mean, we've tackled a lot of topics where it seems like that's dying. It's still, it's always being. But yeah. um, I think it's being eroded for sure. Did you guys? Did you guys see Ben Stiller's comment on it? No, no. he made a comment on it too. Well, okay, so he plays the character Simple J. He directed that movie, right? Yeah, he wrote, he helped write it. He directed it. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was. So he plays the character Simple Jack yeah. in that movie, um, and so people are offended by it like super offended by it and that's coming out now and then Sean White like brought attention to the the uh, athlete Sean White oh. he brought attention to it because he dressed up as Simple Jack for Halloween and so then the Special Olympics was like angry with Sean White cuz he's an Olympian and he responded to it and said you know he apologized for it and then said but look I apologized for this 10 years ago when people were boycotting the film because of that and it wasn't like you have to understand it wasn't meant as you like are understanding it. Um, yeah, what's interesting about... It was like meant, like you said, it was meant to make fun of actors yeah, and who that's were exactly willing to what, do anything to... That's exactly yeah. what Robert Downey Jr. says too, is like his whole point and and why he loved the movie so much and why he accepted the role and stuff was because he wanted to hold up to nature, as he says, the absurdity of an audacity of some actors and peers and maybe even himself at one point, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um of what they think they are allowed to play or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like a white man or in his character's case, a blonde haired, blue eyed Australian right. man who thinks he can play a black actor or Ben Stiller's character who plays a mentally retarded person or something. So the whole and point I, was to, to highlight the absurdity of their characters who it's so meta, but they play, they're actors who play actors who are acting offensive and you know absurd characters and that's the whole point that's the whole point and it may be that we're coming to a point in our society where um you know actors and actresses may still feel that they can pull that off but they but uh, they may put some type of a disclaimer yeah. At the beginning of the films or a disclaimer or, the, or a disclaimer at the beginning of a, a performance or something to basically say, you know, like you put a disclaimer in front of my program. All right, for the record, I put a disclaimer in front of every program. I'm just saying. Just <laughs> I'm just saying. Except for sermons. Yeah. The, the views, Those do represent the views. So they'll have something like the views or characters depicted in this movie or TV show do not express the explicit views of Actors do not express yeah, do, yeah, do yeah, not express yeah. the explicit views of the actors, the cast, the director, the writer, the producer, the film yeah, company, yeah. or it'll anybody right else associated next, with this film. It'll be right there next to <laughs> right there next to no animals were harmed during the making of this exactly. film. Totally. Exactly. Totally. They probably yeah. put it in place because of like Apocalypse Now or something. Yeah. It could be. Yeah. That was the movie, right? Like a buffalo or something. Yeah, I think so. That was an actual kill. The, the actors in this film are acting, and this is not how they feel, yes. or. <laughs> You know, I yeah, I right. I think as, so as, as Christians in particular, it becomes. I think there's a reason why you don't really see, um, the arts in that way yeah. depicted in mm-hmm. in in Christianity, like in first century Christianity, or even in the past. You don't really see theater. It's very it's very interesting. You mm-hmm. don't really see theater. Yeah, that is interesting. You see the other yeah. arts music and and visual arts but but you don't really see theater i think that there's a well, it's too it was, much taken the wrong it was way. frowned upon opens for, the door for, yeah well yeah. it was it's there's there's an inherent nature to there's an inherent like lying yeah aspect to it pretending to be something that you're not and that's that's a really interesting facet and don't get me wrong i am all about that particular art i myself am a member of troop 75 of the thespian society uh, with over 200 hours of work in the theater. But... Uh, <laughs> you like me. Um, so, yeah, I don't, have, I don't have a personal moral issue with it, but 
I wonder if I would, if I studied more deeply in, into that, because it, it was frowned upon. Well, it was, and it was frowned upon predominantly because coming out of the the Roman sure. dominated culture, it was viewed as very hedonistic. Yeah, well, yeah, and theater basically became an excuse to have sex on stage. Well, and it is, and it is quite uh, hedonistic even today. Right. Well, yeah, because it's an exercise. It's an exercise in self. Um, yeah. yeah. In, a, in a lot of ways. So, I mean, obviously, there's a fine line there. You know, there's dramatic reading, for instance, that definitely happened in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It's you know, I don't know. It's it's that's an interesting one. I might have to explore that more for my own personal. Mm. All right, guys. Well, it's about time to wrap it up. So, um, thank you to. Y'all, thank you to our listeners. Um, thank you for our contestants on the show today. That was fun. Um, we look forward to your participation and sharing and all that uh, in two weeks. Remember to catch Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Normally Tuesdays at, at 11 a.m., there is going to be a two-week break for um, personal relaxation time. Um and then if you're interested in, you know, what we did today, feel free to watch the video back, like it, share it with your friends, talk about it. Like Josh says, study what we're talking about if you have personal convictions or curiosities. And, um, yeah, with that said, we'll see you guys in two weeks. And thank you. See ya. This program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network.